In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Known by our fruit. Now, we may be able to talk a good game and sound spiritual, but the fruit in our lives will reveal who we truly are and whose we truly are. Our actions and our words are a reflection of the work that is being done in us. But what is this important process called sanctification? When it comes down to it, the entire point of our Christian lives is to be like Jesus. So how can we replicate and imitate Christ? In this episode of The Father Pursuit, we will unpack what sanctification looks like in our lives and how this ties into us loving one another. Let's begin. Welcome to The Father Pursuit. This is an M46 Ministries podcast about fathers who want to pursue their children. As God our Father pursues us, we want to encourage fathers as they pursue their kids. And for those of you just trying to figure it all out, we walk this road together. No shame, no judgment, no condemnation. Just a real look at what it means to be an intentional father, learn from our mistakes, and grow forward in love and grace. Together, we are learning to be the father our father wants us to be. Welcome to The Father Pursuit, where we seek to faithfully walk with Jesus. I'm your host, Matt Davis, and I'm here with the co-founders of M46 Ministries, Bryn and Brian Elliott. Um, We're going to jump right into this. Bryn, this whole process of becoming more like Jesus isn't something that happens overnight. It's a lifelong pursuit. What does the sanctification process look like and how do you know it's happening? Yeah, well, sanctification definitely is a process and it definitely doesn't stop. Um, When I first became a Christian, I noticed this pressure that I felt on myself to do everything right or not to sin or to act a certain way right away. But then I noticed too that that is just coming from striving and that's something that I can't actually do, or even if I could do it for a moment, I can't uphold it by myself at all. The The process of sanctification for me, I, I see it developing as I learn to love and trust the Lord more and in different ways in my life. And even it's so funny because even in the past two years, every time, you know, the Lord opens my eyes to something that I have to work on or wrestle with or anything like that to lead me to to look more like Jesus and for to really refine my life. Um, when I feel like I have it or I'm like, okay, you know what? I feel like I've overcome this or, you know, me and the Lord have worked this out and <laughs> I, I got it. And then I'm like, all right, cool. I'm done. And then right away, the Lord will show me the next thing that uh, he wants me to look at or focus on or work on. And yeah, so it really... It, it really is a never ending process, but the Lord in his kindness and, and in his grace and his love for us, he only gives us what we can handle in each moment. And, and he knows what we're re- what we're ready to handle and take on and maybe what we're not ready for yet. And so it definitely looks different for everyone, but um, yeah, it really is a beautiful process. 
Yeah, that's what my friend calls moving from the bottle to the sippy cup. And it's uh, one of those things that if you've ever seen a, a, an infant and then they make that move, that transition, the first couple of times they get the sippy cup, they get a lot more milk and they often will choke. Um, but they they have these steps before and even you have to go from the sippy cup to now you get solids and all that. It, this, this process, Brian, maybe we even just skipped ahead of it. Maybe we should really define what is sanctification uh, in the first place. Well, it's interesting. The word saint comes from the same root word as sanctification. So, you know, in Christ, we are we are saints and God sees us through the finished work of Jesus and there's no condemnation for us that we are now innocent. Now, what happens is though there's a there's a process of sanctification because our soul, our mind has not been renewed yet. And so the sanctification is really the process of letting go of everything that's not of God. And so you have the sanctification where we're being matured into Christ likeness. And so that surrender piece is so important. And I find that a, a very, a posture of surrender really begins with repentance because that is really that metanoia where it means to change our mind to change our thinking. And when we change our mind and our thinking, we literally turn to God. And so we change how we think, how we act, how we feel, perceive, and function. So everything really moves from that place. And really repentance is the ongoing process of sanctification. It's a major, major part to play in it. Yeah. It, Brian, the the entire book that you have coming out, and by the way, it's coming out next month, which is very exciting, but More Than Gold is really a process of discipleship. When we are discipling somebody, we are helping them to grow in their faith, helping them in their sanctification process. But an interesting thing with the book is that it starts and ends with an intake called Journey to Maturity. So tell me more about that. It was interesting because when I was looking at, um, I mean, in the corporate world, I do an awful lot of testing on, you know, Myers-Briggs and and we'll get into Strength Finder and a lot of different things. And when I was going into writing this book and, you know, as an engineer, I'm always, I always like to quantify things and, and, and you can't quantify everything. Of course, there's lots of, lots of different ways of looking at things. But when I started to, to write about sanctification and the whole process, the journey that we're on, it's, it's a spectrum of so many dynamics that are all happening simultaneously. And it, it's quite easy to see you know, for example, we talked about, you know, surrender, but on the other side of surrender, there's control and there's a, there's a spectrum and there's, there's religious and there's law. And then you can proceed into more of a relational grace stance. And, you know, there's, there's a hopeless to hope filled. And so there's all these calling cards and, you know, ultimately, you know, love is the ultimate mark of maturity in the fullness of Christ. And I mean, it, it just found it very interesting. And what happened is in the book, we actually chose, you know, 24 pretty heavy hitting indicators of, of and a spectrum of, of one to 10 to really guide. And then you look at the end of the book to see how you're doing. And then what we ended up doing on the website is we built out 52. We, we really want to make it uh, more impactful and, uh, and and provide more data and feedback on where you are in your journey as well. Yeah. So that process of sanctification and kind of doing the intake uh, on the before and the after and some good questions to be able to ask yourself, is that is that process and the way that we grow um, going through these chapters in the book is going to be one of those things that helps. Now, a quote from the book, it says, uh, through the sanctification process, you will notice that there will be selflessness where there once was selfishness. Where there once was judgment, there will be grace and mercy. Love will replace hate and truth will replace lies. We will no longer see things through a worldly lens. We will see things and people 
through the eyes of Jesus. Um, Brand, I'm as you are into that sanctification process and the Lord brings you from one phase to the next phase, how do you know, or what, maybe what, what was a moment for you where you realize like, I'm growing, I'm actually growing. Like things are changing for me. I'm it's, it is no longer the, the lies, but I'm speaking truth and I don't hate anymore, but I can forgive and love. Like, was there a moment for you that just stands out and you say, and I am growing. This is good. And it gave you some hope. Yeah. Well, one that comes to mind, uh, actually pretty recently, I'd say in the past three months, I was just finishing my degree, um, a biblical studies degree. And I was still in Hawaii with YWAM. The degree was with YWAM. And then I was also just helping in the kitchen. And um, I didn't need to help in the kitchen. It wasn't like, it's not a paid position by any means. <laughs> Everything is like volunteers. And, um, but my friend runs the kitchen and she was really stressed out and she needed help. So I just decided Monday to Wednesday, every week while I was finishing my degree, I would just help in the kitchen um, to take some of the stress off her. And I needed a certain amount of hours of like helping on the base. And when I was done, I, I didn't really have to do it anymore. And I noticed even just even in that small thing of like, I know before if I was done my hours, I would have been out of there. It's a hot, sweaty job. You're in the sun. You're, you know, serving the whole base. A lot of people lunch for like 200 people every day. It's not fun by any means. Um, but part of loving God is loving the people that he loves and serving people. And so I think even that at the end of the quarter, I like looked back and I was like, you know what? I, and not only did I feel like I, you know, served well and, and kind of in the way that the Lord had for me in that season, just in the kitchen, you know, I felt like I also was able to see that serving started to become more of a joyful thing. Like I made it fun in my days. Like the, I got closer to the people that I was working with and the people that I would see every day on the base. And so even just that piece of joyful obedience, because yeah, we're called to be obedient, but obedience should look like something that reflects the character and nature of God. And so um, yeah, that's something that recently that I've seen more, but I think even just as I see just spending more time with the Lord, getting to know him better, I start to see myself like having more of a passion and love for what he loves and distancing myself from the things that I know, um, don't please God or that he doesn't love or that he hates even. And so, yeah, I think those are kind of the ways that I'm able to kind of, kind of markers of like, okay, I, I see this changing. I see my heart changing in this way or, I'm responding to this differently or yeah, having different feelings about this than I did before. And yeah. It's not one of those, like you get up in the morning and you jump on the scale and you're all like, oh, I'm down a pound and like something is happening and this is a good thing. But it is, I think it is something that you can look at almost retrospectively and you say like, wow, a, a year ago or three months ago, I would not have done this or I would not have felt this way about a certain thing. And now things are starting to change. Like these other pieces of my life or sin doesn't have a grip on me like it used to. And so I, th I think that even part of that sanctification process, and you mentioned this, is, is this aspect of loving one another and even loving our enemies. Um, and we love God because he first loves us, but we're also called to love our enemies and bless those who curse us. Brian, one of the quotes from the book says, without the Holy Spirit... We can do nothing of eternal consequence. Our flesh is incapable of pleasing God on its own, which explains why Jesus said, apart from him, we can do nothing. Anything cut off from God withers and dies, but by his grace, we are given the faith to see signs, wonders, and the miraculous. Um, how, 
How does God change our perspective even when we look at things in our relationship with other people? When we look at it, like when we, we talked about sanctification and John G. Lakes has a great quote that sanctification is possessing the mind of Christ. And so in Romans 2, or maybe Galatians, it says, um, do not be conformed to thinking in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we learn the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And and what I find is that uh, feedback from other people for me is so valuable because, I mean, there's times where I'll literally be blind to to how I'm operating or what I'm doing and uh, or how I'm showing up. And, you know, it's the it's people that really do care will give you that feedback and sometimes it's a stronghold that's been revealed sometimes the lord will reveal it directly to me um quite often it'll really expose something where inner healing is required where i have to take it to the lord but and there are other there's other times where i feel like i'm so far ahead and i can just feel god's love and blessing you know just want to love and bless people and and you're just on fire and um and there's other times where things get revealed in your heart and i'm like oh man, like, like, am I really far that back, that, that far back? And it's, so, I mean, it, it's just a process and it's not a, a linear process. It's, there's ups and downs and, uh, and it's messy, but ultimately, I mean, just through that process of abiding, right, the, the fruit of his spirit and the number, the first fruit mentioned of the, of the spirit is love. I think that we have this picture of growth as being just this linear, like upward and to the rightward movement where we just wake up every single day and we we keep growing and growing. But I had somebody who said one time that that really growth is a lot more like a Rubik's Cube where you kind of get one side, like all the colors lined up on one side. But if you're actually going to complete the Rubik's Cube, you're going to have to have some of those those cubes get a little bit disjointed and messed up in order to get the next one. And that process, our lifelong process is is that it's a little bit messy and it is not as linear as we want it to. Um, but what we get to check in on is this, this whole concept of, of fruit, right? So there is this piece and we, we talk about it. It's the fruit of the spirit. And some people, we, we say it's love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. You know, we have all of these pieces, uh, but it doesn't say it's the fruits of the spirit. It says it's the fruit of the spirit. And I know, Brian, some people will say, uh, well, I have love, joy and peace, but I'm not so good on the patience. Um, can we divide the fruit of the spirit? It's so funny. I mean, I'll quite often say too that you know I I really need to work on my patience, right? And uh, but I'm but I'm really good at least you know from my perception of these other areas. But when you look at the fruit of the spirit, the ones that you named, love was first. And what's interesting is the other ones are actually the varied expressions of love. So you so said the joy that overflows, you know, the peace that subdues, the patience that endures, the kindness in action, a love full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. So these these aspects of love are coming in and through the spirit. And so it's not us, the spirit's always there and, and love of God's love is always the perfect expression. Now, as channels of God, right, we can really sharpen and grow and prepare for that just to flow through us um, in broader ways. But it's no different than our heart. So if we wanna guard our heart, and you and you you guard your heart against people from you know whether you've experienced trauma or pain, that also puts the same block again uh, on God. So you're also blocking God out. You can't say I'm going to guard my heart here and not there. And I think it's the 
we can't be selective that as we move and open ourselves and surrender to God and allow him to move through us and we have the mind of Christ as we as we grow in that aspect and our minds full of truth I know so often that I used to get things that would come at me that uh, that would disturb me or throw me off my game and in those areas where strongholds once existed or things that weren't true are now full of truth so the more we get filled with the word of God and and that's through revelation the more that we are able to surrender a lifestyle of repentance and you know we just begin to move and think uh, more and more like jesus all the time so jesus is in us and as he is so are we on the earth so we're his eyes we're his hands we're his feet we're his voice and we get to partner more and more as we abide in him so abiding in christ is really the primary aim one of the quotes is that bearing fruit is not our primary aim as believers it's abiding in christ and that fruit is the natural byproduct, not the goal of abiding. Uh, Bryn, I'm, I'm curious just for you, have you had those moments where you're going after more of, I want the fruit, I want the fruit, and that that really is not the end goal. It's really that, that Jesus wants us to keep company with him. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is really easy to get into that place, honestly, like because the results are attractive and the gifts are attractive and it's obviously things that we want and desire and that are good things. And so I think, yeah, it's been really easy for me to get into that place of like, especially coming from the lifestyle that I live to now seeing the fruit of my life and how different it is. I think it it can be easy sometimes for that to be my focus of like, well, I do this because obviously life is working out a lot better now. And yeah, it it definitely, you know, pulls my heart away from where it's supposed to be, which is like keeping it with the Lord and and allowing the Lord to be the center of it all instead of oh, I like what he does for me, right? It's it's totally the opposite of how it should be and and I definitely have caught myself in that many times. But, you know, we're we're human and it happens and every time I catch myself or notice it happening, I I literally just surrender everything back to the Lord. Um even rededicate my heart and my life to him. Um even just proclaim out loud, "Okay, Jesus, no, you are the Lord of my life." And yeah, really repent. <laughs> yeah, and matter like that too that Bryn talked about the gifts of the spirit and like we can't grow the gifts of the gifts of the spirit because the gifts of the spirit are from God and they're already perfect. What we need to to grow is ourselves, right? So we become uh, ones that can allow His Spirit to flow in and through us and allow those gifts to manifest in the fullness of God. So it's a so God is perfect and we are vessels that are works in progress. It can be very messy at times and and there's so many things that can get in the way, but that's where this this whole thing of discipleship is a process and when we do it together it makes such a difference and you know like Bryn will quite often speak into my blind spot or I'll speak into her blind spot and and we can trust each other even when it gets um, a bit rocky right because I know Bryn loves me and she knows I love her and with uh, with close friends too that I mean that we can really we can't see what we can't see and and uh, Bryn was in life coaching and they said outside eyes are what we all need and and, uh, and and that's the real gift and part of what we need. And, and maybe even this this whole maturity model assessment, I mean, it'd be great to have 
you know, those closest to you also fill it out and compare your own answers because it's sometimes in those differentials where those real opportunities, the low-hanging fruit for growth can emerge. Yeah, it's hard to see the label of the bottle from inside the bottle, right? So we do need those people who are looking at us from the outside. I remember my, my kid was like five years old and very like intuitive and perceptive. And he saw that I was kind of stressing out and I was being short with everybody. And he just looked at me and said, Dad, do you need to go organize something? And I just like stopped in my tracks because he was seeing something. And really what I need to do is just stop and take a break and like make, gather myself and, and be with the Lord in, in those moments. And then I'll have these moments where I'm talking and then my wife will just right between the eyes, she'll say, well, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear that right now. So there is these moments that that really like I, I think as, as long as we have good humans that are around us that are speaking love towards us. Um, really, it should be compelling us to love others. And that's where I, I think this is a good spot for us to round out the conversation is this quote uh, really floored me. And I, I have to do some more looking and reading on this because it's so interesting to me. But it just says, agape love motivates Christians to serve and live amongst the poor, caring for the suffering, the widows and the orphans. And as the old story goes, 15th century Moravians sold themselves into slavery to reach the lost as it was the only way to minister to the slave population. Countless martyrs have given their lives for the faith because of this love. I mean, talk about a litmus test. Brian, is, is this even true? Like, were there people who sold themselves into slavery just so that they might reach the lost? And is that the fruit of abiding in Christ? Well, I'll tell you, that, that kind of love um, is is not normal, right? And, it, and it's a, I remember when I first heard that, I, I was in total shock that, that people would have the ability to be that selfless that, that sacrificial and just love so unconditionally to those they don't even know, be willing to become slaves for that. And Bryn actually heard the same from her um, at YWAM as well. And they they were, you know, telling those stories. And I mean, if you read the book, uh, you know, God's Generals, and you mentioned another one too, just on the martyrs of the faith that, you know, to love your enemy requires really the love of God because that's that's not normal that we can love those who love us and that's a that's a typical love of the world and you'll see you know worldly love kind of go as like a mother is kind of a, an example of moving into that agape style love that you know women are mothers are, are wired really to 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 uh, put the uh, the needs of the child ahead uh, of their own and uh, but when you see an expression of agape like that I mean that's just wow, that is a level of maturity and just the love of Jesus coming through them in ways that is, it's, uh, to me, it's super inspiring. Yeah. The the guy that I was going to tell you about is uh, Richard Warmbrand, who uh, was known as a Bible smuggler. He's the guy that started Voice of the Martyrs, but uh, wrote an unbelievable book called Tortured for Christ. And, and one of those, let me just give you a cut from it. It says, uh, you know, and he, by the way, was was just repeatedly tortured, and even to get at him mentally, uh, the communists in Romania, they also imprisoned and tortured his wife and persecuted his son, um, and so he'd be thrown into prison. And, and this is what he said. He said, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. It was a deal. 
We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. And he says, the following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through a phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room. After what seemed like an endless beating, they brought him back and threw him bloodied and bruised on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothing and said, now brethren, where did I leave off when I was interrupted? And he continued his gospel message. So this reminds me of the Apostle Paul, what he called momentary light afflictions, that he was stoned to death and, uh, and you know, came back. He was, you know, his feet were broken multiple times. He was whipped and chained and imprisoned and uh, remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, as we close out here, Bryn, I, I'd love for you just to speak to the family. Uh, that for for families, like it, it feels like oftentimes um, we can, even within the, our own households, we can live very individualistically. So even in like Christian homes, um, you have your faith, I have my faith, and, but we don't grow and we don't get sanctified together. What is something that families can do Besides like going to church on Sunday, right? At the same time. Um, but what's something the families can do so that that process of sanctification even can happen? And I think you've been in, in with YWAM in a community setting where growth is taking place in a community setting and, and really growth used to always happen in the family instead of kind of subcontracting it out to, hey, you go to church, I go to the big service, you go to kid service, and we're both going to grow and come back and you know we'll do our thing. But how do families grow and be sanctified together? I think it looks a little bit different for our family at the moment because I live across the world. But it's really cool too, because even me living so far away, we still are able to you know, grow in our faith together. Me and my dad are always like sending each other videos of different teachings that we've listened to, or even new worship songs that we found. Um, we FaceTime a lot. <laughs> um, and even just talk about, you know, what the Lord's been saying and what we're learning about ourselves, about the Lord, you know, different things that the Lord is taking us through. And it really has just become a natural thing. And I think both of us get so excited about it that we just want to talk about it and we just want to share it. But I think another cool piece of it was that um, within family that my dad was also surrounding me with people that were also really strong in their faith and that had built a history with the Lord. So especially when I had first become a Christian, that was really important for me because sometimes I didn't want to hear feedback from my dad. <laughs> when he would say it, I would be like, no, no, no. But then if somebody else came to me and said it, I'd be like, you know what? You're right. You're so right. I should really look at that. And so <laughs> sometimes too, like even just having people outside the family that like, he would pull in. And these were even like sometimes his friends, like some of his closest friends um, that are now even like my spiritual parents. And so it's really, really been awesome. And I think, yeah, I think really it's just sharing with each other what the Lord is doing and um, sharing how how we're growing in, in the Lord. Yeah. The younger you get started, I think it's easier, right? Like I remember picking my kids up out of the crib and singing, this is the day that the Lord has made. And you know, you have a habit and a discipline of reading together and those things become a little less 
awkward. You can imagine like just starting out and if your kid is like 14 years old and like you go into their bedroom and you'd say, all right, I'm going to start singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know, they're, they're probably going to turn over and, and not like you very much. Um, yeah, like, get out. <laughs> get out. I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm resting in the Lord right now. <laughs> right. So. But, and that was really our issue because, yeah. you know, Bryn was um, 19 or almost 20 when you gave your life to the Lord. So I wasn't able to minister to her. And like when I was younger, I wasn't discipled. So when I had children, I wasn't able to d- disciple them because I was, I was way off the mark, but uh, yeah, that's so funny. Like, like I had to do it in tidbits and little pieces any way I could. So, <laughs> And I also just want to add, he still kind of does what you just said. We're right now at um, my grandma, his mom's house for the holidays. And he literally came in my room to wake me up one day, like singing and yelling (laughs) and so happy. And I was like, I woke up and I was like, this is way too much. This is way too much. Please leave. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what it's like. That's what it's like living with Brian early in the morning, (laughs) right? So you also have to take into account that like whether your kids are morning people or not morning people. Well, I was already up for four hours by that time. So (laughs) (laughs) she's up at the crack of noon, right? So it was, it was already lunchtime. So, you know, Brian, you got to wake up just a little bit earlier, but that's all right. Um, Brian, uh, I, I know that there there's a dad out there, uh, there's a mom out there that they're thinking like I've I've missed out and there's been so much time. Uh, my kids are older, um, you know. I, I I and their 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 internal monologue just starts to turn to, uh, Lord, I just hope that you meet them. And we kind of just resolve to take a step back. Um, but would you just close us out and pray into that? Yeah, Lord, we just surrender to you, and Lord, we thank you that you're so good and that you're you're faithful. Lord, we thank you that you love our families and, and you love our children more than we could ever imagine. And that we are right now, we are stewards of our household. So Lord, we ask right now just for fresh faith and the hope of God, the joy-filled expectation of the goodness of God would just pour in and through our hearts, through our words and into our families. And we just pray this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Father Pursuit Podcast. We hope this time together has inspired you to invest in your number one discipleship relationship, the one you have with your children. This is a road we walk together and we know transformed people transform people. For more resources and real life stories to give you hope for the journey, visit us at m46ministries.com. Until next time, may your pursuit be blessed.